0: Hey, everyone. I'm Rachel. And I'm Jen. And welcome to Devilish Bookworms, the podcast where we read and review books and release episodes every Tuesday. So, ladies and gentlemen, this week we have Who Built the Humans by Philip
1: Carter. Woo! Here's the great thing. We're just going to tell you early. Philip Carter will be on the podcast. Oh, my freaking goodness. I know. Let's fangirl for a second. (laughs) So we're going to have him on during the second half. We're going to do our little review thing. And then we will have our interview with Philip. So sit back, folks. (laughs) All right. So who built the humans? Now, this isn't a typical book. That is
0: not the typical
1: Oh, God, here she goes. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, this isn't your typical book where you have to read it a certain way. So this is an anthology.
0: Anthology? So it is an anthology, but he wrote it kind of in the style of like a choose your own adventure. Okay.
1: So it literally it's a whole bunch of mini stories. There's 11 universes that are all based around these stories so there is quite a few chapters but at the same time there's a section for lucy there's a section for tinfoil tim there's a section for god and like it's there's literally so much here but you don't have to read it in any specific order that you would normally do So you can choose just a universe to read and just read that whole universe, or you could read it from left to right. So it's kind of like your own little destiny. Choose as you will. This is what's going to happen. And we get so many great stories out of it.
0: The best example is Lucy. So the story of Lucy starts on the first page, right? Like You open up the book, blah, 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 table of contents. Read the table of contents. Read the copyright, read the intro. But anyway, read everything. Uh, read everything. Um, when I say that he that Philip writes layers upon layers upon layers, and you can really never go wrong. So the first story is talking about Lucy, and then at the end of the chapter, it says, if you want to read more about this universe, you know, jump to and the next part of Lucy's adventure starts on page 74. So if you're following just Lucy's. You go like page one, page 74, and then down the road. And I know that Jen read the book front to back. So she started page one and kind of just went. I did the same thing. And you know, I do love a good choose your own adventure, but I also love like the... Let's see how many people I can piss off with this uh, with this comparison. I love, I love the love actually of it, you know, where you can like start on one story and then another and then another and then another and then we start back at the other story and then we go and go and go, you know? Um, I like that little like out of order situation. Honestly, I'm glad
1: I read it the way I did because I, I feel like I appreciated the book a little bit more because I did that. But at the same time... I kind of question how I would appreciate it if I would have read it universe by universe. So,
0: yeah, it was, it's almost like it, you would have thought that you would have lost stuff if you went by the universes. But also, that's really fun, right? Right. But as you'll hear later, folks, um, Philip
1: does bring in a, a great point where he said something about by reading it left to right, you actually get a few extra little bits because he made certain jokes that kind of went into the next story so
0: what how does Jen know what Philip
1: said we recorded this out of order (laughs) (laughs) because why who created the humans was done out of order from wibbly wobbly timey
0: wimey stuff
1: yeah does time really exist the way that we think it does
0: or is it a construct of our imagination exactly Fun fact folks you want to know how weird I am so like I feel like if there's no timeline in heaven then there's no timeline on earth so really time doesn't exist to me do you know why I'm always late to everything in the world because time doesn't matter (laughs) I was
1: literally late to my own birth so I mean hilarious I'm serious I I was born 10 days late like what the fuck I know
0: so okay. with there being so many different like universes, dif- different storylines, Jen, did you have a favorite? Oh, I love that
1: you asked me this right away. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, so yes, I actually really, really loved A Little Boy Called God. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a lot of reality with the story, but also the best part of it. Is the fact that it it's absurd. (laughs) All right, I'm gonna explain a little. Now, I'm not gonna give you everything, and I'm not um, because we do mention it later on, but the father is cheating on the mother and has told the child to not say anything. The woman that came over was just the babysitter. That's all that he needed to tell his mom. And when the mom found out. She just lost it. And I absolutely love how she lost it because it wasn't just focused at one of them. It was focused at both of them. One for the woman even trying to sit there and have her child lie to her face. And then she took it out on her husband for being unfaithful, obviously. But my favorite part of that was the fact that she went after them and beat them with a dildo (laughs) that is the most absurd weapon of choice but it's fucking hilarious because how ironic literally beating
0: the fuck out of them that i'm i'm sorry but i love that You know, what's kind of funny is that I don't know if he intended for this to happen, but like, there's also a bit, yes, it's, it's ironic and it's, and it's a little random and kind of ridiculous, but at the same time, she's beating the adulteress and the adulterer with the physical embodiment of the sin itself. You know what I mean? (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) I just love it (laughs) it honestly it was so great especially like I said how absurd it was because once you read the story you'll understand why it's so absurd because I'm not going to exactly tell you but it was just it was done so brilliant (laughs) and I appreciated every bit of that
0: well and you know what I think adds to some of the whimsy I know that we're we're talking a lot about this one specific story but I think it's because of the fact that there's this story kind of like, it's the perfect example for what the rest of the book kind of is. This story was written from the point of view of the child. So mm-hmm. of course, the child is going to see some very serious things as random, as silly, as crazy. You know what I mean? Because he he's looking at it through these child eyes, you know, this this child lens. And then all of a sudden, you get glimpses. Of the um, seriousness of the situation, you know what I mean? When the mother pulls him aside or when, you know, I just, I thought that in and of itself was gorgeous.
1: Well, and see, a a lot of the stories are kind of resembling that same aspect where you have a lot of absurdities, but it brings it back to reality of Mm -hmm. absolute life. Like one of Lucy's stories where... They actually created her. So humans don't have to actually go to the afterlife, but there is an alternative to final death. Mm -hmm. And I think that was absolute genius the way he did that because it brought reality in there, but also absurdity that all the humans would eventually kind of rebel against Lucy and the, i don't know i don't know how else to to really describe it but like i said he brought the the aspect of reality to it but with the absurdity of every, everybody rebelling all at once and no one honestly standing by lucy it's like that's like saying that everybody in the world is going to overthrow the governments all at once all at the same time it's never going to happen mm-hmm. no matter what there's always going to be one or two people that stand by the side of the government or however many people but at the same time it's like the reality of it could possibly happen or the fact that you know lucy who was an alternative to a final death has now become death herself and it's like Lucy
0: in the sky with diamonds
1: (laughs) sorry but it oh you're fine but it, it's just, it's one of those things where it, it makes you have like, kind of like an existential crisis, like thinking about some of the stories.
0: Yeah, a thousand percent. Did you have a favorite story? I did. And, and I I wonder if, I wonder if, listen, all this, his entire book, this entire book is basically just an experiment. It's a look into the human condition, not theology, but, you know, death, the afterlife, um, all, all of these things. And I wonder if it's a little bit indicative to who we are as people as to what our favorite stories are, you know, because, um, you liked a story that was, you know, centered around adult themes, um, a little, a little serious, a little, you know, delves into the family dynamics and all that, but also with dark humor yeah exactly also with that um with that veil of absurdity right yeah and I think that my favorite story was um what's it called on selfhood okay which is just poetry it's just alliteration in poetry that's basically talking about who who people are and and the absurdity of the media and the image that we portray to other people (laughs) my favorite
1: quote I swear to God, if we have the same quote written down again, I'm going to lose my shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So my favorite quote from from on selfhood is the inner self takes selfies will selfishly shielding a shawarma from swarms and swaths of screaming socialites smiling sadly as her favorite song thumps through the brickwork of an old mill now repurposed as a nightclub set to remove more clothes than it ever produced okay Uh, man right just that one sentence i'm just gonna leave it at that (laughs) but yeah that was my favorite story
1: (laughs) okay well i can definitely say that wasn't my favorite quote in that story but i actually did write down a moment because if this isn't like something that i don't know if everybody's thought but at least one point in time i know both of us have probably thought something along this line but it goes like this uh she sighs as if the body he's pining for isn't hers and it isn't it's the idea of a person he's after and she's barely even sure she's an idea or even a person now mm. you you sit there and contemplate like okay what is life am i really real am i really living this kind of life am i like you start having that existential crisis like i said where you sit there and you think about all these different things and you start to wonder am i really this or is there more is am i more Mm -hmm. and i don't know he he brings out so many freaking questions in you and i love the fact that he he makes you think like literally every story makes you think about something or makes
0: you feel something. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I love that. Well, I think because I wrote down right after that quote, right after the quote, you just said, it says he's chasing her outer self. But as you know, already, unless you're a complete idiot, she is the inner self. I've said it enough times now, catch up. And first of all, the idea of, you know, people chasing outer people who, you know, who you think someone is, is who you're chasing. You're chasing, you know, not only the the visual, but also who you are creating that person to be. Right. But also one thing that I love that he does is he throws things in there. I've said it enough times now, catch up things like that when we were you'll hear it on the well you'll hear it when we interview him as well he's talking about something and he says you know my client has nothing further to say and he throws that in at the very end and there's something about those weird little fourth wall breaks that I just find so elegant
1: (laughs) I just love them which is funny because in the back of the book he actually makes a comment about breaking another fourth wall and it, i i actually laughed during it
0: because of how many walls he broke yeah <laughs> it's like it's great in the but, copyright he says you know I, I i'm tired of cleaning up after you people
1: <laughs> oh my god please uh, i don't know why copyright. but
0: Seriously, we'll talk about it until the end of our days. You know, what's funny is I I didn't bring this up to Philip, but um, I read the copyright page for the Cosmic Comedy Collection to my dad. And he Mm. was like, oh, my God, he's British. And I said, yes. And he goes, I need to hear him say, read that copyright page in his accent. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I want to hear him say everything in his accent. So we're even. (laughs) Well, okay, so side note
1: i i the first thing i said when i got on the interview was okay just say the most nonsensical nonsensical sentence that you could think of and he he was right on point with it which was great because i just i needed to get it out of my system because when i speak to someone with a different accent i get all excited because i'm like oh my god this is fun (laughs) I get excited because I have customers that come in from Ireland and I love hearing them speak. I have customers that are from Italy originally. And I have a customer that goes, ah, please, what's the daily number? And it is like <laughs> literally my favorite thing ever. Every day it makes my freaking day. So just it made my day that he had a nonsensical sentence right up front, right on cue. It was
0: Perfect. (laughs) Well, I love linguistics anyway. I love accents. I love all of that. And I think that's part of why I dig Philip Carter as an author because we'll say it a million times in the pod, but it's fluid. Everything is fluid. The way, you know, just his concept of the English language is just so, and ideas, it's just forever malleable. Like I keep saying,
1: like he makes you think. I mean, the fact that he, literally put in his book and i'm gonna read this verbatim it says perhaps this is all a metaphor maybe we are all dead already and this degrading world is proof we are just an echo of a memory of a a slightly less depressing race
0: of beings and it's like whoa okay well that sentence makes me want to throw up an existential dread yes exactly (laughs) like literally
1: the entire book is like this and it's it's fantastic because as we point out in the interview like he also kind of makes fun of humans for being stupid which I have to agree because we've lost the the importance of thought and wisdom and intelligence and we we've lost all that and no one wants to actually like sit there and gain it back we're just kind of set with where we are no one wants to gain any more knowledge than what they already know and he actually had a quote saying most of us are just happy idiots it's easy to know everything if your definition of everything is the only things you know that is literally the human race right now we only want to know what we know and that is it we we don't want to gain further knowledge and i love that he pokes fun at that in a comical way and not in a like a uh,
0: mean way, but it's, it's great. It's, it's insightful. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. You know, what's funny is that brings to mind a um Fitzgerald quote from the great Gatsby Daisy is talking and she's talking about how, when she was um, pregnant with her daughter, she, and she was told that she was a girl. She said, I hope she'll be a fool. That's the best a girl can be the, in this world. A beautiful little fool. And I feel like that also kind of blends <laughs> just right on into the theme of like, you know, happy little idiots. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that you enjoy um, listening to us talk to Philip because we had so much fun talking with him.
1: Honestly, it was a blast. And I, I really, I'm sorry for like, oh my God, this was so awesome. I like, I I. I... <laughs> It, but it was <laughs> it was so awesome so i'm not sorry but i am <laughs> all
0: right everyone well enjoy
1: so everybody i hope you're excited for this and i hope you're ready for this nonsense because here we are three chaotic brains yeah so philip carter here we go take it away <laughs> hi hi how's it going okay okay Wait, you gotta say it. <laughs> we just gotta get this out of the way now. You, you just have to say a complete nonsensical sentence. I don't care what it is, but oh I just God. the accent, man. I just gotta hear it. You're gonna
0: talk to him for half an hour. It's
2: like literally, right now, I'm just crushing a rubber dinosaur to death.
0: <laughs> that is fantastic. It's I not, even,
2: it. not even, not <laughs> even nonsense. I'm actually doing that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jen, I'm so obsessed with you. I
1: can't. I'm sorry, but I gotta get the giddiness out of the way for the recording. We're so. already
2: recording, by the way.
1: We are. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, so literal. Okay.
2: No, I'm just. I'm just really used to like doing the podcast thing myself, and like having other authors on, and they're like, are we recording? I'm like we've been talking for an hour. Of course, we're recording. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well you're when i was on with you it was very just like chill and laid back so it was so easy for it to go from like you know just casual conversation to you know
2: yeah it was a lot of fun it was i do want to do like more long form stuff i'm thinking rather than doing like one every two weeks just do a really long one every month
0: (laughs) that'd be cool jen will have to be on the next one as long as i'm not working (laughs) i know
1: my schedule's a mess.
2: I know it really eats into your day. Because it was like five AM for me when it when the last one ended. I thought we were only Really? Chat. Yeah, I thought we we're only gonna chat for half an hour, but <laughs> it just like went off the road. Well,
0: my Zoom will literally just shut down in forty minutes. So we have no yeah. choice.
2: hmm No, I appreciate the format.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we had to put ourselves on some kind of a leash because if we didn't we would you know just do the same
2: mm.
1: it, we have no self-control i mean we can literally talk <laughs> for six hours and not even flinch
2: yeah, I got yeah.
0: It. that's like a normal phone conversation yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so why don't we get into it so that way we don't lose our 40 minutes
1: absolutely okay.
0: So, Philip, I do have some questions, and I want to start off with the um, copyright and in- intro pages because I think Ben <laughs> is obsessed with your copyright page. <laughs> I am indeed because I I actually mentioned in the last
1: one, and it it just it tickled my fancy the last or when I read it again.
2: I'm so glad that you noticed. Oh, did I actually have to point it out? I don't remember. I
1: don't no, remember. I, no. I actually we, I told her the last episode. I was like, "Oh my god, you need to go back and read the intro or the um the copyright section because I I happen to notice a little bit. I was like, "Wait a second, head exploding. Let me go back here."
2: <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of fun it's it's weird it's so weird like that you that you know that now because the book's been out for like three years and only two people so far have noticed it and you're half of them wow, wow. So, You know what's like, insane people is just like... don't check the copyright page or well, why would you if you're a reader but yeah like checking out whether or not i could actually legally put jokes in the copyright page took about a month and i think it was worth it
0: <laughs> absolutely well especially because of how prevalent you know like not to go too deep into it but but how the ai conversation is going now you know what i mean and and Mm. it's just kind of blown up and so you're it's almost like your copyright page is more prevalent now than it was before
2: oh definitely it's it's a weird thing because like one of the best compliments i get from people is that i'm ahead of my time (laughs) which is a really Mm. polite way of saying i liked your book but it's not going to sell very well (laughs) Because <laughs> oh no, it's like it's a really amazing compliment, but ahead of your time means if you pitch it to a publisher, you're just gonna give them a migraine. Um so like I had that experience with someone like literally yesterday on Twitter, I was talking to somebody and they said they were interested in my book and wanted to know what it was about. It took me about five tweets to get around to beginning to explain it. Yeah. Um and then I said to them, To be honest, the main issue with me is I'm the guy who built the thing you're the person who's going to drive around in it. It's like if you go to a sports car shop and you ask if it drives well and the guy just talks to you about the engine. I'm mm-hmm. actually a really terrible person to speak to about the book. <laughs> <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> because I'm really interested. I'm sorry about the podcast. We'll just end it there. But <laughs> but it's like the the readers of it, they enjoy it. And you know that's that's the important part and all the clever stuff that I'm slightly obsessed with. To be honest, most people probably won't notice it. Like, there's a lot of jokes in it. I made sure there was enough that I'd reach multiple audiences. And if you don't get one of them, you're going to get another one a few pages later. So it's still mm-hmm. a funny ba- still a funny book for a lot of different types of people, I hope. Usually just different subgenres of nerd.
0: Well, and I wanted to talk to you about that, too, because so I know that I sent you a um, uh an email kind of explaining this but i noticed that with your books both this one and the story in the novel or in the um uh cosmic comedy collection yeah. so it's like of course words have meaning but with your writing the meaning is fluid it's you know it changes and you play with with um definitions and and um double entendres and, and ideas sentence structure and it's beautiful to read. It's like listening to you know, like okay, guys. I really, I recently discovered Ren, and he does a lot of that in his oh, raps. Wow! <laughs> he that recently he is... does that with his raps, and I'm just like <gasps> layers upon layers. Yeah,
2: that is really interesting because I've I was literally compared to Ren last night.
0: Stop! <laughs> by, by, <laughs> by, by, by,
2: by someone on my Twitch stream.
0: Okay, well, so, so that here was we the are. whole
2: thing. <laughs> Hi, so, Gray, if you're listening. Yeah, so so that all combines together. I love wordplay like that. I mean, David Bowie did a lot of that. I I, mm-hmm. I will I will go to poetry readings and tell people that David Bowie was the best poet of the 20th, 20th century. Sure. And so far nobody's punched me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. Uh, whoever gets mad at me and punches me first wins a yacht. So
0: A yacht? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a goal now. <laughs> as soon,
2: soon as i get off as soon as i get off the plane in utah when i move over next year i'm just immediately gonna get knocked out
0: you're gonna be like who's this random person at the airport it's me yeah. <laughs> now let's all go on the yacht <laughs> so is that something that comes really easy for you is is that word play
2: Uh, Yeah, I've always been into wordplay and stuff. like. I didn't really realize I was a comedian when I was a kid, even though I'd like literally spend all of my time after school filming sketches with my friends. Um, And doing doing comedy is kind of a natural thing for me. I'm always cracking jokes. One of the weirder things that people say to me is, is it a coping mechanism? No, it isn't. (laughs) Because if it was a coping mechanism, I would stop being funny as soon as I was in a good mood. it's one of of those things it's like if you if you ask somebody if somebody tells you their humor is a coping mechanism and you find them funny that means you need to call somebody to help them right now that second (laughs) well you know oh my god you're so funny today oh it's oh look at him he's doing little little cartwheels at the cliff isn't that so far oh no
0: (laughs) call the authorities (laughs) yeah yeah. it's
2: such a weird thing
0: One of our first conversations, you were like, oh, well, why, why am I the one who's the first on the pod? And I'm like, well, you know, it's it's the comedy thing. You know, There's there's got to be a little bit of darkness in there, you know, a little bit of, you know, camaraderie. And then you were like, yeah, no, I'm just mm-hmm. funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, the darkness in comedy, I, I find turning the darker stuff into like zany stuff a lot. It's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. And definitely like for artists, if you can turn something you've been through into, like, a story or a painting even or a poem, then it's it's an interesting way of processing stuff for people. Sure. Um, Not so much for me. I'm actually really introspective. So, like, I've had bad stuff happen in my life. um, And what I've done about it is I just kind of sit alone in my room and just think about it for a while until I can solve it logically and then it doesn't bother me anymore, which is really kind of <laughs> – it sounds borderline sociopathic, but – that's born of a need to not actually bother people. So, so I don't like, I don't like the idea of burdening people if I mm-hmm. have a problem. So, it is it is weird as a writer, because you always get the thing where people think every story that you're writing is based on personal experience. Sure. I think the better ones that I've written, I've probably got a bit of personal experience I can draw from, because that just makes the stories more 3D, really. Um... And then the ones which aren't as good probably don't have as much experience in them. That said, right in science fiction, I've not been abducted by aliens nearly as many times as I've written about it.
1: <laughs>
2: and but... hopefully <laughs> not
1: probed
0: as much as you've about.
2: <laughs> No, not at all, no.
0: So where okay, does I, this affinity for being probed come from? No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> I'd be happy to answer that question. That, is, that was I'm I'm sure I'm sure you got that. That was like a parody of the whole sexy sci-fi thing that was sure. like really popular and it's like why does everybody immediately want to have sex with the aliens because... honestly they've, tra- <laughs> they've traveled through time and space would you not want to ask them how they've done that like put the sh- put your <laughs> shirt back on ask ask them how they have reversed climate change how they worked out how to live to five thousand years you know that mm. kind of stuff
0: that's kind of like jen do you remember that one book that we did where it was like it was one it was a sexier book and so she goes in and immediately wants to do this random stranger that has all these all this enigma around like he's just a walking talking red flag and i'm like wouldn't you have questions first maybe like (laughs) she did ask that and i'm like no
1: i let's just get on with it (laughs) but i think it's wild i was gonna no you're good i mean you actually kind of brought up the fact that humanity is stupid in so many different ways in so many of the stories and the way that you did it was so elegant but so accurate as well and i just (laughs) i I love that so much
2: (laughs) i love that i need that as a review or an advert that's brilliant thank you (laughs) glad someone noticed
1: (laughs) Well, I'm sure I mean, loads it, of
2: people have noticed actually, but yeah.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say it's hard not to notice, especially when the fact that you you brought up so many great points, especially you know, uh, not thinking about just regular things and how we exist and like what we should do or not do in life. So it, I mean, I don't know. It was you just did it so well. I I just I couldn't stop like writing things down. I'm like, oh, I love this. Oh, I love this. I love this. <laughs>
2: I'm going to have to bother you to get a written review out at some point. My my sales at the moment do not reflect how much people love the book. And it's really weird because people do love the book. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what have I done wrong? I actually know what I've done wrong. And it's really boring and not podcastable. But for anybody interested, I'll summarize it in 10 seconds. I was more interested in writing than working out how to market a book. So I'm only good at the first one.
0: Well, I mean...
1: at the same time we're not great at marketing either we're we're still trying to get our our feet wet
2: (laughs) yeah podcast market themselves though if they're interested in yours is so like it'll just snowball (laughs) it'll just snowball
1: again the numbers
0: don't reflect (laughs) (laughs) very accurate it'll
2: it'll catch up
0: Um, let me see I wanted to ask um, so because this is this is a book that's basic that's made up of a bunch of different um, universes they all have their own tone they all tell their own story and they all ha- they all kind of gave me a different feel when I was reading them you know like there would be one where you kind of it was kind of it was the one about um, how basically humanity is a video game, and it kind of gave me a little bit of like Free Guy or Tron vibes. And then mm. you get, ga- then there was the one about um, it was a child called called God or a kid called God, um, and that one kind of gave me vibes of like it was weird because it was kind of like the universe of like Edward Scissorhands, how everything was like suburbia, but also kind of funky. Um,
2: I get that yeah
0: <laughs> I kind of I, I really loved that one um mm. how was it in terms of keeping the tone how did you approach writing all of them um to keep the tones separate and to not kind of like blend the universes into each other if that makes sense
2: I tend it, it's really weird I'd I have like loads of different ideas throughout the day so when I was initially writing it I was writing it on the floor of my mum's living room. Didn't have an office or a desk or anything. Just sat on my laptop. And I'd have like three, four ideas come into my head at once. And what I did is I had all of the chapters of the book in their own Word documents. So I'd have, at one point, there was more stories in the book. There was 50 tabs open on my computer. And if (laughs) I had an idea that I liked for one of the stories, I'd move it. And sometimes I'd come up with a line of dialogue. For Lax Morales, for example, it would be too funny. So I'd give it to God. Or God would say something that was quite poignant and I thought, well, this doesn't suit him because he's an idiot. <laughs> <I'm> going <gonna, laughs> to gonna give it to somebody else. Uh, and that's, that's how that works. And later on, I developed a system whereby essentially I've got playlists on YouTube for different genres of music and I only listen to those like each genre of music when I'm writing a particular type of story. So then if I go back and I play that music, it kind of takes me back to putting that kind of mode but definitely been doing improv comedy which is something i seem to be good at allegedly and um, that helps a lot because my brain quite naturally just jumps between things the the trick for who built the humans is making this complicated beast actually make sense okay. rearranging the stories and chapters because you know as you say there's 11 universes in it the chapters okay. of which are in the right order but they cross over with each other as if interlocking fingers with people holding hands. Mm-hmm. So you'll go f- perhaps from World 1, Chapter A, and then you've got World 2, Chapter A, and then the next story might be World 3, Chapter A, and then after that you'll get World 2, Chapter A, uh, Chapter B. So it kind of builds up like that, and arranging the stories so they made sense if you just read it as a whole book in, a- in one go, which some people have done very Mm -hmm. brave people but they have done it um (laughs) it still makes sense that actually arranging the stories took me a whole three months after i'd written them all because i wanted it to work almost any which way so you can read them the stories individually or by universe or just read the whole book left to right and if you read the whole book left to right there's actually some more jokes between the stories (laughs) so there's like one story about alien abductions, which is dead serious. And then you turn the page and the next story is just jokes about probing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I noticed that. Jen, how did you read it? Did you read it as a choose your own adventure or as as from left to right? I
1: actually read it from left to right. I don't know what possessed me to do that, but it just, I jumped right in and I just didn't stop. (laughs) So I, I, I actually did really like the, um, on because i i wrote it down uh run the mirror said and uh mm. a little boy called god those were like literally my two favorite stories because of the fact that well a boy a little boy called god was so absurd but hilarious Thank but you. also still touched on real issues like a father trying to tell a child that he shouldn't tell his mom that they're cheating you know mm. and so little moments like that gave it that bit of reality but then you threw in the fact that she's getting beat by a dildo and i just like <laughs> lost it
2: <laughs> yeah i wanted but... that to be i wanted that to be a surprise oh my <laughs> you know, like, god the, the last the last line where like god's dad just asked like beckons him over into the driver, and he goes What's up, Daddy? He goes, could you help me find my teeth? Oh. <laughs> That's just how the story ends. And I just, I remember writing that and I actually sent it. I had beta readers before the official beta readers. I sent it to like a few pals online. Most of them thought that was too extreme, which is why I decided to keep it in.
1: Oh, that. absolutely not. It was perfect. It was literally perfect. If you wouldn't mm. have, if you would have ended the story any different, I don't know how I would have processed it. But that was so perfect.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, you just needed to... I thought, I can't... There's no way back now. It was kind of a thought in my head when I was writing that one. I thought, there's no way back. I can't mm-hmm. ever return to reality. My only choice is to get weirder really aggressively, really quickly. And I think it that worked. worked.
1: <laughs> it did. It worked. It was great. I mean, even like some of the technological aspects that you put into your book were just amazing. Um, like the run the mirror said you mm. had the helmet that was basically Green an emergency screen. system and that was an incredible way to actually save that person's life and i don't know how you came up with that but it was amazing
2: oh thank <laughs> I, you it well, came, I mean, that came to me in a migraine funnily enough i had a really bad migraine years ago at uni and i thought i was just sat there and it was so bad i just started daydreaming to kind of entertain myself because if i took any more painkillers it would have killed me so i was like okay i'm just going to daydream and i thought wouldn't it be cool if the migraine i've got is actually an alien millipede chewing on my head but i don't notice it's there because i'm wearing a space helmet that's lying to me and i was just sat there at university that was like a perfectly normal trail of thought that i have pretty much on a day-to-day basis now um and that's that's where that story came from felix pascal's actually one of my oldest characters i first wrote a story with him in when i was 14 um i'm 31 now so it was a while ago i don't think it was a good story but i liked his character enough to bring him back for he Built the humans
1: honestly i loved his character and i love how you went about that whole story of you know giving it a realistic kind of story but still making it a dream state and uh fit for survival which brilliant literally love that thank
2: thank you it's such it's such a weird story as well to like because there's research that went into who built the humans um hopefully it's not obvious because one of my least favorite things that books do is when it's obvious the author has for example written a historical fiction book and it's really obvious they studied 18th century french cakes because (laughs) five five of the first chapters. just about cakes and it's like when's stuff gonna happen it's just a
0: list of facts
2: (laughs) they're like we've got to keep talking about the pastries because I've got a PhD in this and if I don't publish a book about it I feel like it's (laughs) gone to waste and and that's the kind of feeling you get and I really wanted that to not happen with my book so for Felix's story I actually had to research that particular part of the Scottish Highlands it's based in what wildcats are there if there's a zoo nearby that a wildcat could get out of there was about 120 miles away, and I thought, within reason, it might have got there. So Felix starts hallucinating this, and the the dream screen helmet obviously wants to present him with an illusion that's kind of believable, mm-hmm. because if it isn't, he'll wake up and realize, oh, part of my head's missing. So, <laughs> right, but you don't. It doesn't want him to do that because if he panics, he'll lose oxygen so that's right. the dream Screen's like keep this guy alive by convincing him that there's a cheater that's going to eat his face um and see and I, I actually think it could work i think it's a winning tactic i mean i've not approached nasa yet
1: but- <laughs> well i i honestly i think that's such great technology like that should be something that we have readily available for situations so i mean the the more i thought about it i was like okay i i could see like buttons and different things that like I wouldn't full nerd into thinking about that.
2: Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> you know Go what's over. funny
0: is I kind of went into like a like a spiritual aspect of it because there's a theory out there that the afterlife, you know, when we when we expire, <laughs> um, mm. that it's just our brain doing that, putting up like a green screen of like to make us comfortable, to make us feel better about what's going on, to kind of try, like trick us into not freaking out. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I love that idea as well. I mean, there's there's a lot of afterlife stuff in the book. I've always been interested in the afterlife. I I don't know if I'm an atheist or not. I mean, I, I am. I just don't <laughs> like. I just don't like the label. You, mm. you you say atheist. You imagine someone, you know, bullying religious people on Twitter, which I I don't do because I'm an atheist. It's just fun. <laughs>
0: It's just a hobby. It's just a it's just, Tuesday. It's not
2: because they're religious. It's because they're also on Twitter at the same time. It's just like, you know, it's convenience. <laughs> That's <laughs>
0: hilarious.
2: Uh, you're
0: oh, like, why is... me? And you're like, well, you're here. So honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you,
2: you were in. You were in the way of the tweet. The tweet was sent out. You stumbled into its path. So be it. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe God intended for you to bump into it. I don't
1: know. You know the guy better than I do. <laughs>
2: Jesus.
1: Oh. <laughs> he has nothing to do with this. Oh my god. Oh.
0: <laughs> sorry. I can't handle you.
1: Okay, so I, I do have a question. Now, in one of your stories, you sit there and talk about different metaphors and uh, like one of those um points was what are student loans but really a tax on the future now is that how you really normally think just outside of the box like that
2: that's deep as fuck when did I say that That's I, <laughs> I agree with it I agree with it and you know what? I, I actually so. think I remember what page it's on if, if, if Jen, we get,
0: need receipts.
2: If I can get this right, if I can get this right, I deserve like a Nobel Prize for being able to remember my own book. Something which most authors can't do. Oh no, my black hole literature just fell on the floor. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, no. I've been for the next one. I'm researching heavily into black holes so I can mention them in one line of dialogue and not get yelled at by the two physicists that read my books. Oh, um,
1: that's <laughs> hilarious.
2: Genuinely true. Yeah. Um, I think. That was on Vanity, I think, wasn't it? The student loans one. No, it was on Love. It was, on, it was from On Love because. On
1: endings, like... actually. Ah, <laughs> you were quiet. very close, though.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Student loans being a on the future.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I said... agree. Yeah. And you were, you were like. <laughs> you were like uh what is a train but a bus on a uh bus with a fixed uh, destiny some national rail uh determinism no. uh, blah 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 let me see i'm sorry my phone <laughs> <laughs> no my phone went like all over the place uh lateness always arrives earlier than expected so it is really lateness in its nature boring uh a boring life is just a death in which you are self-aware participating it was just like you sit there and you th- like actually think about these questions after I've, i'm reading them and i'm like holy shit is this literally how he thinks cuz that's fucking genius
2: it is how i think yes yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i was reading i was like listening to it, i was like yeah this, yeah yeah i'd vote for this guy <laughs> yeah no it, but, it's like it's a really deep way of thinking and it, it's it's just amazing how you you put that kind of spin on it
2: Thank you. I've actually been tempted to republish the uh, on endings like mini collection from Who Built the Humans because I want it to reach a wider audience. It does really well in the poetry circuit. It mm. kind of like sometimes I'll I don't get there's not many places you can read them out because it takes like a whole fifteen minutes to get through one. Um, mm. but usually I get like seventy five percent applause, ten percent confused look, and you have fifteen percent are angry but they don't really know why. Um. Oh. Which happens, because especially like the on-poetry one, which literally just takes the mickey out of poets. <laughs> um, and on-endings does as well, because there's a line here that says, young poets think from pint to pint, pushing their poems into pamphlets, prams and pockets. They catch each other in trains and congratulate, congratulate each other's clearly very good bra- brains, creating new worlds that are better each time, but always metaphors for something. So the line there, I said, congratulate each other's clearly very good brains. I, on purpose, didn't use a clever word there because I was trying to make another point that the poets that I would bump into at these like fancier open mics that were very elitist would use clever words and not know what they meant. So I wanted to make the (laughs) language in that really, really simple. So they couldn't possibly, if they ever encountered the book, misinterpret the message.
0: (laughs) I love that. And there's like,
2: there's so many, there's so many layers to the on series. Like I'm really, I'm just, honestly, I'm just glad somebody noticed. Thank you.
1: It, well, there's literally so many different layers to your entire book. And mm-hmm. it, it's hard to actually process all of them just reading it one time. So I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that we both missed because we we were reading in a week's time constraint. But mm. if we sat down and actually read it a little bit slower and, you know, took it page by page, there's I know there's so much more to appreciate about it.
2: Thank you. Well, and I think that's part
0: of why I loved it so much is because I love layers. I love, like I said, that kind of like double meaning. um, And I love poetry. And even your stories that were not there, there were stories that were, you could tell heavily influenced by your love of poetry. And then there were other stories Mm. that um, may not have been quite as obvious, but you could still very much see the influence.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. I'm really glad I'm really glad that came through because I've I, I got told at uni like that um I was writing a novel called The Stephanie Glitch at the time and I showed a bit to my tutor who read the first ten thousand words and he turned to me at the beginning of the next class we're in, and he said, Philip, I think you're writing a really long poem. Oh. <laughs> and I I thought at the time I was like I don't understand that and I went home and I had a few drinks and then I went out and I had a few drinks and I went home and I had a few more and then I understood. <laughs> I understood everything um unfortunately i woke up stupid the next day but for that for those four hours i was really smart and i was like you know what my professor's right i was writing a big poem because my my writing is poetic and like to go back to your point earlier jen i think jen said it yep. or maybe, but yeah maybe um, <laughs> yeah that like the language is fluid and the meanings change that's really important to me because i see language as a plaything. um to steal a line from my own poetry collection which I'm republishing in 2024 um, I'm a gender neutral language is just something to take apart, it's all Lego to me and that's kind of how I see a lot of things, concepts ideas um, for legal reasons I don't see people as things that you can take apart never have, never will <laughs> never once crossed my mind, my client has nothing more to say and um, oh. Yes. but yeah i've 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 always had this idea that you know language is a very interesting thing the way david bowie gary newman musicians played with language i listened to a lot of music growing up and the way people play with categories and labels now and i i, I think that you know people pin themselves to things like before i said i don't want to be pinned to the concept of an atheist and i know mm-hmm. women for example who consider themselves feminists but don't want to say on twitter they consider themselves feminists because apparently there's like 500 different meanings of that word depending on which lunatic you ask about it
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: it's like there's absolutely no way forward when people are like that so at the same time you can be flowery i wanted especially in the harder science fiction stories in who built the humans like lucy's universe there's some really basic sentences in that story and that's the first story. I was taking a creative risk there because some people, they read basic sentences and they think you ca- you're you not capable of anything else. But the mm-hmm. first sentence in Who Built the Humans is the first brought their dead in briefcases. So you're just seven words and you think, what the hell are they bringing dead people in a briefcase for? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. And it's weird, but there's no fancy flowery bullshit. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, I like playing with language, but we also need it to make sense. So right. there's a lot of that's why my style so balanced is because I'm always every single line I'm considering, and by the way I redrafted that one over 150 times. Uh, oh,
1: Jesus! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah,
2: I know, right? Where's the where's the fucking Pulitzer surprise um, <laughs> There is there was actually a deleted scene in Who Built the Humans. I'm going to go off on a tangent. Fuck it, that's what the book does. Um, there was a deleted scene in Who Built the Humans where God writes a book about his life right at the end, and he goes into a care home. And nobody believes him because the book is so weird. But it's an autobiography, and he tries to give the manuscript to a publisher, and a rabid dog chases him through a park and then tears the manuscript up. And as dogs been uh, as God is being mauled by this dog, and he's like throws it off him for some reason. He just starts asking random questions about it. He's like, "Oh, what breed is it?" Because the fight's going on for so long the tension dies down. So he's literally wrestling with his dog for like four days and he's just like having a cup of tea and it's still gnawing on his arm. And he goes, oh, what breed is it? And the guy goes, oh, it's a Pulitzer. <laughs> and that, that was like the joke that, you know, big literature prizes aren't actually healthy for literature. They're certainly not healthy for me because I'm so like, I don't get competitive, but I kind of get that thing that some ADHD people get where it's like they feel left out even if mm-hmm. they're not necessarily left out, which I think, you know, that ties into the alienation theme if we want to psychoanalyze it. Um, but also the way my brain works is is weird. Um, so, like, I've sold books really well at Comic-Con. I did really well at Comic-Con. Everybody was proud of me. I'm the best president ever. I've not got small hands. All of that <laughs> stuff, you know, all of that bragging. I'm the best. But then I go back home and I look at my Amazon sales. I'm like, oh, my God. And it turns out that my fans don't tend to mooch about on Amazon very often. They tend to be geeks, nerds. I sold a copy to a drunk physicist at a bar. That was the last time I sold one in person. Wow. And he liked it a lot. So wow. that's kind of my audience. But it's like, it costs a lot of money to get physicists drunk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I believe that. We just, he just
2: bumped into me and he went, you look like a poet and a comedian. I was like, I am. And we just... <laughs> We just got chatting based on that. It was bizarre. I was like, right, so he's a physicist and a psychic. Maybe he's just a dyslexic psychic and he accidentally typed physicist on his CV.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I oh love my that. Gosh. Well, um, Philip, we have happening. about <laughs> two minutes left. So do you want to plug anything? Do you want to share any socials or any handles?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. With... So if anybody looks up who built com, fairly easy. Um, That'll take you to my link tree where you can buy the book, you can get a signed copy, or if you're flat broke, you can get a free sample, but I will harvest your email address so I can send you pictures of my cat. (laughs) All of that's true. All of it is true. Um, That's awesome. www.whobuiltthehumans.com I'm also Real Philip Carter on most social media where I tend to just do increasingly surreal little bits of character comedy. Um, So like Tinfoil Tim from Who Built the Humans, he's kind of coming back as in a stand-up. I've actually done time travel-based stand-up comedy before, which borrowed ideas from Who Built the Humans and then added new ideas, which are going into the next book, which I've decided, and I will announce it now, is going to be called Who Killed the Humans. It's going to be smaller, darker and meaner than Who Built the Humans. Maybe not as good, but that's the rule with sequels. They have to be a little bit shitter. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> oh man. It's been well, such a pleasure having you
1: on. Seriously. The, the, this has been really interesting. I'm so glad we did this.
2: Thanks guys. No, I'm I'm really glad that like you noticed stuff that I didn't know if anybody was going to notice. I just I wrote it because I loved it and I had this idea in my head. Maybe in 10 years time, somebody would meet me at a book signing and say, I really liked this thing. And you've noticed it and it didn't take 10 years, which is brilliant. <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> now, now we just got to get your, your book out there. Hell yeah. All right, Jen. Now, will you go ahead and tell everyone what we are reading next week? Next week, we are reading... A Court of
1: Sugar and Spice by Rebecca Ooh. F. Keeney.
0: Christmas. Bleah. So. Toes all around.
1: <laughs> oh my God. So, literally, she had to like basically bribe me to read a Christmas book. And I don't remember we're not. What I
0: bribed her with, but it worked. So, here we are. <laughs>
1: it, it did. But we're not only reading one, we're reading two.
0: To Christmas. <sighs>
1: I'm the I, Grinch people.
0: I know. I just, Here's the thing, guys: is that Jen and I just complete each other so well. We just, Jen, you complete me. And if I love Christmas this much, then logically I to hate. she would have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
1: true. It's 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 true. It. I hate it. I <laughs> I dislike it so strongly oh yeah like i won't let them listen to christmas music at work when i'm around i just know
0: nope i don't even i i haven't even decorated yet (laughs) i've decorated i decorated the weekend after thanksgiving She was watching Christmas movies the day after Thanksgiving. We can't even use that as like a thing, as like a topic though, because I was, I watch Christmas movies year round, not to bring up Love Actually again, but also to bring up Love Actually again. Um, That's my house cleaning movie. So whenever I clean the house, which is usually once a week, I put on Love Actually. And then I'm sweeping as, you know, people are singing, Love Actually is all around. (laughs)
1: I'm trying not to throw up over here. I'm so
0: happy. (laughs) We had a great guest. We read a cool, awesome book. And we're talking about Christmas. Ah! (laughs) God. Well, I
1: had Spanish food and steak today, so I am happy.
0: Yeah, your Spanish food looked bomb. Oh, dude, it was so good. So freaking good.
1: Oh, I'm so excited that I still have half a container left. Actually, more than half a container left.
0: I rummaged around in my refrigerator like I was a squirrel in the middle of winter. Well, it is the middle (laughs) of winter. No, it's not. Winter starts December. Oh, my God. What? 24th? 21st? 21st. Ew. Gross. We're not there yet.
1: (sighs) Close enough.
0: (laughs) All Uh, right, everyone. uh Well... I hope that you enjoyed this episode as well as Jen hopes that you enjoyed this episode. We both in tandem hope you enjoyed this episode and like, subscribe and join us on threads because we love the threads. Uh, uh,
1: uh, 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 Yep. And sorry for all the tech talk and nerding out. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry for nothing. (laughs) All (laughs) right. (laughs) Well, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>